Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Graveyard Coffee Talk. We are your hosts, Amanda and Corinne. And uh, welcome back. We are still recording together. Yay! <laughs> so much better. So much better, and actually the same day as last episode. So. Yeah. So we're very caffeinated and, um, yeah. Silly. Very silly. We also realized that um, we have to change our editorial calendar a little bit because we both misunderstood the assignment. And, like, it's fine. Those of you who are newsletter subscribers know that some fantastic content came from it. And those of you who aren't, uh, just sign up. Sign up. Get on that. Occasionally, you'll get uh, the benefits of our blunders. Yeah. So, you're welcome. I'm always glad to show my whole ass. <laughs> Oh, that's probably- my whole quote from this episode for socials. That's probably a better way to have phrased that, but... Um, Absolutely not. <laughs> it's right. neither here nor there. Okay. So our coffee today, uh, we yet again have the exact same coffee, because again, we're recording multiple episodes at once, so we're we can't- in the same place. You girls can't afford to go to a coffee shop twice in one day. No, budget says no. So we are having the Synergos coffee uh, decaf, but made via Corinne's pour over. Yeah, and I only spilled a little bit. And we also learned that pour over is an amazing method for making coffee, but it requires patience. And I don't have patience. She really doesn't have patience while incredibly caffeinated from a previous coffee. I mean, that's just standard. You should see me trying to fucking caramelize an onion. No, because that'll make me sad, because cooking is really important. Cooking is so good, and it's so important, but I do not have the patience. It drives me bonkers. See, whereas I'm like, man, let me get a babysitter so that I can stand at my stove for an hour and 15 minutes to get these suckers nice and caramelized. Uh, welcome to our cooking podcast, everyone. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we switched topics on you. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Hope that's okay. No. Um, Corinne, what is our, I think it's an oracle pull this episode, yes. not tarot? Correct. Uh, I pulled from the Obsidian Oracle by Megan Bacheri. I'm not 100% certain how to pronounce her last name. I found this on a random Etsy dive. There's a reason Etsy is no longer on my phone. Too much of my income was going there. But this is a really beautiful deck. Um, I love... On the backside, it's got that Ouroboros pattern. And it's so pretty holographic, gilded. It's really lovely. And each card is so beautifully painted. Mm-hmm. It's really stunning. Um, it's also one of my favorite go-to decks if I'm feeling the need to do any sort of shadow work. Yeah, it's a little rude. It's super rude. Um, so I pulled today Blood Moon. And I would also like to point out, this is the first time I have ever pulled any of the moon cards from this deck when I'm pulling for myself. 
Sorry. It's it's fine. Um, but the Blood Moon card, uh, the key points to this one are large-scale change and transformation. And the guidebook says, you know, stop putting off decisions. This is the time to love yourself for every part of you. Um, to uh, make these all-encompassing changes and all-encompassing... Um, I don't even know. Words are hard. I'm good at English. I'm a writer, guys. Basically, uh, time to overhaul your life. Yeah. So where, who are you? Who are the parts of you that you don't want to admit to and embrace those because they're part of you too? There we go. I did it. I used words. It's a good thing that you can use words given that we have no visuals being a podcast. We have no visuals, and I'm quite literally a content creator for work. That's how I make my money. It's fine. Um, all right, so today's episode topic is witchy accusations or people accused of witchcraft. And I feel like the obvious place to start with this would have been the Salem Witch Trials, But if I ever cover those, it'll be like a five-hour podcast episode. Welcome to our TED Talk. Uh, Because I would want to do deep dives into the political motivations in the community that are glossed over in a lot of retellings, Mm. especially a lot of the retellings that you'll get in like an English class at school when you're trying to learn more about the witch trials before you read The Crucible. Um, So we're not doing that today. So instead of going that route, we are going to talk about something that happened in the colonies 30 years before anyone saw Goody Proctor with the devil. Oh. And discuss the Connecticut witch trials. Oh. Or the Hartford witch trials, as they are sometimes referred. I'm not familiar with this. Please tell me more. I will. But first, I just have to rant about the fact that the word Connecticut has a C before the first T. Connecticut. Yeah. And I hate that. So much. We had these stupid mnemonics. I can't say that word. I can't. I can't say it. It's a great word. Can't say it. We were learning the states and their capitals. Mm -hmm. And they had these cute little uh, illustrations. And the one for Connecticut was the heart in the Ford puts a Band-Aid to connect the cut. All right. And that lives rent-free in my head because that was in fourth grade. I haven't been in fourth grade for a very long time. (sighs) Welcome to episode number two for the day, folks. (laughs) You're welcome. Technically, this is 2.5. That's right. Sign up for the newsletter. (laughs) You'll learn what we're talking about. See where we lost our whole minds. Oh, they see that every episode. (laughs) coffee out the nose oh no i'm so sorry no you're not okay i'm sorry let's go let's go so these trials took place from oh my god phone spring 1647 until 1670 and included a total of 37 cases with 11 executions as a result okay the first execution was a woman named alce young who was executed may 26th 1947 not just the first execution. Not 1947. 1647. <laughs> I know. It mm-hmm. even says 1647 in my notes. Okay, sixes and nines look really similar. Sure. Some of us might be a little bit dyslexic. It's fine. Everything's fine. fine. And she was not just the first execution for witchcraft in Connecticut, mm-hmm. but 
quite probably the first execution for witchcraft in the colonies. Interesting. Okay. Some shitty first to have, but there you go. We don't have too much information about her. Um, Her execution was recorded in the journals of John Winthrop, who was the governor of Massachusetts Bay at the time. Okay. We don't have any records of the trial or any specific charges outside of the generic witchcraft label. Mm Mm-hmm. So I did find a couple of theories that make sense to me why she was a target. Okay. So there was a flu epidemic ravaging the area at the time. Awesome. And she was also likely married to a John Young who lived in the same town who died as a result of the flu epidemic. And if she was married to him, she would have been eligible to inherit his pretty sizable property. So that real estate is as good a reason as any for someone to want a woman killed because the patriarchy doesn't give two figs about women's lives. Nope. Uh, See the most recent bill put forth uh, in Missouri trying to ban abortions even for ectopic pregnancies, which is a literal death sentence for women since there's no way to save an ectopic pregnancy and the resulting bursting of the fallopian tubes will kill you pretty quickly, but it's fine. I'm fine. I'm not at all scared of being a woman of childbearing age in the good old US of A. It's fine. My uterus just a flip oh yeah so moving on from that mm-hmm. um we have mary johnson okay who was the first recorded confession of witchcraft okay during these she was a house servant and was accused of theft in 1648 okay after a pretty extensive bout of torture to elicit a confession uh, because she maintained her innocence she finally confessed to quote familiarity with the devil Okay. And, like, you're a community in 1648. Aren't you all familiar with the devil? One would assume. Lots of fear-mongering around the idea of eternal damnation? Yeah, one of those things. Something like that. Throughout the interrogations that followed, because, of course, they weren't done with her yet, Mm -hmm. she admitted to having sex with men, with devils, and murdering a child. Oh, good. We're back to child murder. Love that. Right? Love that for us. Everything is the satanic panic. Yep. Um, and that would have been more believable had there been any unaccounted for children in the area uh-huh. at all. What? Uh, she was sentenced to death uh, despite being pregnant. Oh, geez. The sentence was delayed. And most of the time in those cases, if the sentence is delayed until after you have your child, it tends to be commuted. Mm-hmm. Um, but not this bitch, not her. Oh, so after her child was weaned, she was killed June 6th, 1650. Oh, and lastly, uh, and probably the most famous case that came out of this is that of Catherine Harrison. Okay. So she had a pretty lovely rags to riches story. Oh, she grew up a servant. And uh, moved from England to Connecticut in 1651, where she married a pretty wealthy farmer. Okay. Good for her. On September 3rd, 1666, the devil's number. Hell yeah. Her husband died. Womp, womp, womp. He left behind a will dated from August of that year. Okay. So the month prior, in which large sums of money went to her with smaller amounts allocated for their three daughters. Okay. She did petition the courts to have some more of his estate that was going back to the community allocated for their daughters okay. and did not get that granted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did like that she was trying to get some more money secured for them in yeah. case anything should happen to her 
without trying to get any extra for herself because she got a sizable chunk. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, in fact, this inheritance left Catherine one of the wealthiest women in Wethersfield. Okay. And she chose not to remarry. Good for her. Yes. Yeah, I mean, until... Until it's not. Until the inevitable patriarchal bullshit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, much like with Alice Young, like we were talking about just mm-hmm. a second ago, this left her really vulnerable to people who were jealous of her wealth. Yeah. On October 6th, 1668, mm-hmm. Mrs. Harrison uh, wrote to the courts to talk about her livestock being vandalized. And remember, this is Catherine. Yeah. Uh, her oxen were being bruised so severely they were developing broken ribs. Ooh. Her pigs were earmarked. And young cattle were stabbed and the weapons were just left behind in the stab wounds as the cattle bled out. What the F? Because, again, people were really upset that a woman was just living her life. How, how dare. How very dare. And that same year... um. My theory, uh-huh. <laughs> because whoever was actually behind all of those uh, livestock deaths didn't want their own asses charged with anything. Mm-hmm. She was tried as a witch following several testimonies. And I don't want to get in. I, I don't want to get too in depth here because mm-hmm. it seems like everyone in the goddamn town yeah. had an accusation to make against her. Of course. Um, so I, I don't want you to have to edit a two and a half hour episode. What? <laughs> But here are a few. Okay. So, I don't know how this is witchcraft. Tell me, tell me. Uh, Michael Griswold claimed that Catherine called his wife Anne a, quote, savage whore. All right. Which, obviously, only a witch would do. Witch, bitch. They got the words confused. It's (laughs) fine. John Wells claimed that Catherine put a spell on him that made him unable to move his to move as if his legs were bound when he went to bring his cattle back home. Interesting. Thomas Wapples. Great name. Right. Claimed that Catherine was known for using a spindle too frequently. Okay, no, that would actually make sense to me. And it was known that women used spindles to commute to their Black Sabbaths. Well, it's not even that. You could use that to spin uh, malignant spells. Oh. So you, because, you know, you have to spin the yarn all in one direction. Right. So if you spent it in the opposite direction, the indication was that you were binding some sort of spell into your yarn, and that's just too fucking much power. Not that I... I'm sorry, I have a fibercraft problem. It is not a problem. It is a fantastic thing. I want a spindle. <laughs> uh, Richard Montague accused Catherine of gathering bees because he... <laughs> <laughs> just thinking of that Cards Against Humanity card. I know. Bees? Because he saw swarms, a swarm of bees follow her from a neighbor's property to her own. Um, no, thank you. And several people accused her of being an accurate fortune teller. Okay. Get on with your bad self. So she was imprisoned after these accusations. And then, oddly enough, she was released from jail. Okay. In early fall 1669 prompting 38 townsmen to file a petition to get her arrested again. Jeez. Men, what is your problem? Right? Let this woman, who has three young daughters, whose father is dead, just tend to her children. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, In October of that same year, 1669, Mm -hmm. a jury found her guilty of witchcraft, given the testimonies I discussed. Okay. 
But on October 20th, the execution was stalled. Okay. She was then released in May of 1670. Okay. She was ordered to pay her court fees and flee the colony for good. And it's not really known what happened to her after that. She did petition the courts uh, to name a legal guardian for her daughters. But after that, there's no more information about her. So she actually escaped. Good for her. Yeah. And good on her. And maybe she was a witch. Because. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. A lot of women didn't get out. Now, granted, the current governor of the Massachusetts colony at the time, who did take over a lot of what was going on as far as legal matters go in Connecticut at the time, mm-hmm. was a witch finder. Love that. Who was very anti-false accusations. Good. You know what? His job was bullshit, but at least he tried to do it well. He did try to do it well. And so the witch trial kind of fizzled out. The The whole Connecticut witch mm-hmm. craze fizzled out after his election because yeah he he was like no if you don't have proof yeah 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 we're not charging this woman for witchcraft because this is a serious profession with <laughs> we have a serious professional <laughs> exactly fuck man so you know good on him yeah his heart was in a place <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and um that is the Connecticut Witch Trials. Cool. Amanda, yeah. I want you to know that while you were talking, I, I got my elbow stuck in my mug. <laughs> but I fixed it. You okay? Yeah, I'm great. I'm good. All right. So, Corinne. Yeah. What What are you going to discuss with us today? Well. Well. <laughs> oh. Oh, there we go. Okay, we're fine. We're fine. We didn't just lose all of that audio. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. So um, I'm kind of going to bounce around between a couple of sets of notes because, uh, as you may recall, like me mentioning earlier, I kind of uh, misunderstood the assignment. Uh, We both did. The assignment was misunderstood. Um, The assignment we set for ourselves was misunderstood by us both. Yeah. Um, So... I'm actually generally ignorant of the history of witches and witchcraft in Europe, which is kind of weird because I'm into, like, all that witchy shit. Yeah. Uh, I was really surprised at just how ignorant I am as I started to do my research. Um, So most of my knowledge is based around things like Arthur Midler's The Crucible, which I actually really enjoyed. I liked reading that. I would love to go see a performance of it at some point. We saw a performance in high school. Oh, I didn't Highly, highly recommend. I didn't read it in high school. I read it on my own in college. Oh, okay. You know, for funsies. Um, So before we start getting into people accused of witchcraft, I am going to talk a little bit about the history of early modern European witch hunts. Because I think that cultural context is kind of necessary. Oops. And some of what you're talking about, you were talking about, also falls into the same period. I'm just talking about the European side of things. Okay. Um, so first and foremost, many of the accused would not have considered themselves witches by our modern standards. That belief that many of those who were persecuted were actually like pagan priestesses or whatever comes from first wave feminist scholarship. I believe that. Um, there is some scholarly evidence at the time, though that unmarried women were becoming a larger percentage of the population, especially at the time you're seeing the Reformation and the Counter-Reformation. 
um, abbeys are being closed down. You have all these unmarried women, some of whom are, are older and, you know, well past marriageable years. I'm sorry. So you're saying she can't belong to anyone at this point? Correct. That is, in fact, what I'm saying. <laughs> it's, it's pretty awful. Unacceptable. Um, so in societies where women could not own property or head up households, it was placing a large economic strain on communities. Um, so there's that. Uh, also, a lot of the roots of these these witch hunts come from the Inquisition and the Middle Ages. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, the Dominicans have a lot to answer for because they wrote a lot of the foundational treaties. We're Catholics, by the way. The, or the raised. Catholic Dominicans, not the citizens of the Dominican yeah. Republic. Sorry. Sorry. The, the, the branch of Catholicism, Dominican priests and nuns and that shit. Uh, yeah. Um, there was some scholarship, and I don't actually have this a lot in my notes, and I'm kind of mad about that, but there is some also, some further scholarship that a lot of the places where you saw rises in specifically witch hunts were in areas where there was that split of the Catholic church. Okay. So people are trying to prove that their version of the religion is what's going to save you from damnation. And what better way to do that than to root out and destroy witches? Because in areas that remained largely Catholic, like the Spanish peninsula, like Italy, like parts of the French uh, region, they also had inquisitions, but they were hunting out, quote-unquote, heretics, not witches. Which is where you see the persecution of Jews, you see the persecution of Muslims, uh, of other minority Christian groups like the Cathars. So, there's this whole power play, and it's like, ah, you, your soul, is in danger. And I can protect you. My religion is the more powerful. And that's where you start seeing those, those witch hunts. I thought that was kind of cool. Gotcha. Um, also, read The Burning Times. I'm so sorry. That is largely a myth. Oh, same. Uh, the women in Connecticut were hanged. Yeah. So as a rule. Some accused witches were burned at the stake. That is, that's a fact. Um, however, that was not the only form of capital punishment the victims suffered. And in fact, not all were executed. Some got to look forward to such exciting punishments as flogging imprisonment, and sexual humiliation. Oh, great. Yeah, like uh, sitting on red-hot irons so that they wouldn't have sex with the devil anymore. Which, yikes. No thanks. Uh-huh. Um, that, fun fact, was also a treatment for quote-unquote lunatic women. Yeah. 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 As was ovarian compression. Don't compress my ovaries. They're sad enough. Right? Like, sir, this will not make me more sane. <laughs> no. Okay, so now that I've gotten that out of the way, I'm going to dig into a little bit of people who were, in fact, accused of witchcraft, especially during this time period. I had done some research that I will share, but I'm not really going to go into right now, on the Pendle Hill Witch Trials in England. Mm -hmm. um, there were eight. Yeah, no. Sorry. Twelve people accused of witchcraft in this community, most of whom were probably Catholic and probably did do some form of, like, faith healing and uh, other traditional forms of herbcraft. Uh, at the time, a big thing to do was to look for uh, recusants, who were people who were not good Church of England goers, and uh, punishing them. <sighs> yeah. And it's also 
largely centered around two families who fucking hated one another. And were constantly throwing accusations at one another. Um, One of the accused has a name that you might find familiar. There was Alice Nutter. Who, if you have watched or read Good Omens, you'll Alice related to Agnes? That is where Neil Gaiman got the name from. Well, Gaiman and Pratchett. I don't know who Who? came up with that one. Um, And her descendant, Anathema Device. Device was another one of the families involved in the Pendle Witch Trials. So that was kind of their send-up to that. Amazing. It's really cool. Uh, It's actually, it's really sad. Ten people were found guilty and hung. One of the accused died in prison, but one was found innocent. Well, you know, small blessings. A woman named Alice Gray. I hope she bought a lottery ticket or the equivalent of. Right. Um, So that particular trial was kind of a a groundbreaking trial because they bent a lot of the pre-established rules because it was one that took place during the reign of King James I. And that's where we are going to get into my good, good bro, Francis Stewart, 5th Earl of Bothwell. Oh, I've heard of this dude. Yeah, so our good dude here is a member of Scottish nobility in the late 16th century and was a cousin of King James I. Who, very confusingly for me, because context clues and I are not always the best of friends, was also known as James VI, because that was when he was just the King of Scotland. Yes, before his cousin, yeah, Elizabeth, died, leaving uh, no heir. Yes. And I just was like, wait, what? Hold on. I get confused very easily. You know, it's all this head injuries. I was really obsessed with the learning everything about the Tudors. So that's the only reason I knew about yeah. that. <laughs> when the Stuarts took over. Yeah. So, um, if you recall me talking about those Pendle Hill witchcraft trials, King James was a spectacularly stu- superstitious. That's the word. Not superstitious. Superstitious. Spectacularly no, 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 superstitious you, man. You sp- run witch trials, you might be superstitious. So, uh, he w- was very specifically about witches and witchcraft. Um, so poor Francis Stewart ran afoul of King James after James was epically cock-blocked by the universe. It's the only way I can think of to describe this. Okay. So James I was intended to marry the Princess of Denmark, but her ship kept getting delayed due to terrible storms. Also, one of the women that he'd picked to be, like, the head of her ladies-in-waiting was drowned during a storm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so King James... Calls up his cousin Francis Stewart, who was head of the Scottish Navy at the time, and asks him to go fetch his future bride. Francis is like, dude, no, that's going to be irresponsibly expensive. So James raises funds and sends his own ship to go collect Princess Anne. Uh, at the time where he's getting Princess Anne, there were witch trials going on in Copenhagen. And one of the accused indicated that the storms had been summoned to fuck with King James. And another one of the accused said that they had been working with Francis Stewart. So clearly, this means Francis Stewart was a witch and was using his great powers from his pact with Satan to cockblock the king. Clearly, the only yeah. reasonable explanation. Side note, Francis Stewart had also recently been arrested for trying to overthrow his cousin. So he was definitely conspiring against the Scottish crown, but probably not girl bossing it up with Satan. Regardless, James and Francis fucking hated one another. But Francis Stewart was largely able to evade being executed for little things like engaging in witchcraft and conspiring against the throne. Uh, Just 
read the Wikipedia page because it is a trip. There's so much that I can't even get into because it really doesn't even relate to what we're talking about. I mean, say less. Of course, I'm going to go and read this Wikipedia page. Amazeballs. Uh, so speaking of a trip, I'm also going to fill you in on Helen Duncan, who was one of the last people in the UK arrested for witchcraft in 1944. Oh. Okay, technically that was one of three times that she was arrested for witchcraft. <laughs> she was also arrested in 1933 for fraudulently summoning spirits, and again for the same in 1956. I'm... Sorry, why would you make it punishable for people to pretend to summon spirits? That was part of the Witchcraft Act of uh, 1735, actually. Falsely summoning spirits. Oh, England. I love it. Um, So, Mrs. Duncan would host seances and purported to speak to spirits, and she also claimed to produce ectoplasm from these spirits. Um, This ectoplasm was mostly... Fabric, light paper, and other sundry bits and bobs that she'd spit out of her mouth. (laughs) Um, And again, these fake summonings were in fact illegal according to the Witchcraft Act of 1735. So what gets interesting for me is that second arrest in 1944. And I had seen a mention of this when I was doing my research on um, the occult in World War II. Mm -hmm. So at the end of 1941, during World War II, the ship HMS Barham had been sunk off the coast of Egypt. And while this was not an extremely closely guarded secret, the ship's sinking hadn't been mentioned to the general public. So, you know, people who lost family members who'd been on the ship knew. Okay. So, like, not a top state secret, but still not, like... It wasn't in the press. Yeah, we don't we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> to we to don't quote... talk about Bruno. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Um, but having gotten wind of the story, she decided that she could totally prove she's a legit psychic who is talking to spirits by incorporating a ghost from the sunken ship into her act. Ma'am, excuse you, that spirit's relatives are alive. Like, let's, let's be real here. That took balls of steel because she had already been arrested for this shit once. Uh, Unfortunately for her, but fortunately for me, because you know I love a good crazy story, she made several mistakes from making a uniform hat that would have been period inaccurate for Navy men wearing. (laughs) Because at the time, um, they had actually started to remove the names of what ship you were serving on from your hat. She made a hat that actually had the ship's name on it. Uh This would not have been accurate. Um, Also, she just kind of quasi- casually revealed a state secret-ish. <laughs> so by by spreading that word, they were like, hmm, bitch. So yeah, she was arrested. She spent a year in prison, promised that she would never again do this, and then got arrested for it again in uh, <laughs> 1956. I was about to say, sure, Jan. Yeah. So yeah. One of the last people ever arrested for witchcraft. I have some early folk and then I've got this poor dumb bitch. (laughs) You know, it's one thing to stick with a grift if it's working. But it significantly was not. (laughs) It was not working for her. Yeah. Like, God bless her. She tried. She she did. I like, I really like the the ectoplasm touch so that she just like, out during... Just imagining her with, like, little hamster cheek pockets. Right? 
right? Apparently, like, some groups were like, oh, yeah, we'll totally, like, well, we want to research this. You know, can you can you produce some ectoplasm for us? And she's just like, mm-mm. Nope, can't do it today. <laughs> Sorry, the spirits say that they are feeling so fresh and so clean today. Yeah. So no goop, come back next week after we have our mud wrestling. Yeah. I was just, oh, so gross. <laughs> but yeah. So that's my, uh, that's my stories. Fantastic. Well, this was a really fun episode. Not the least of which because I thought I accidentally deleted our entire recording <laughs> for a hot second there. Which would have been really bad. <laughs> really, really bad. I'm a professional. Uh, thank you guys again for listening. Uh, we, I don't think we can overstate how much we appreciate you guys taking time out of your days to listen to us. So... Sweet dreams, caffeinated nightmares, and don't fraudulently summon spirits. Night, guys! Thank you for listening to Graveyard Coffee Talk. Our theme music is Pretty Little Dead Girls by Sean and McGuire. Copyright 2006 and used with permission. Our cover art is by Kyle Welsh. If you want to keep the chat going, please visit our website at graveyardcoffeetalk.com for transcripts, episode notes, and more. Follow us on Instagram at Graveyard Coffee Talk Pod or on Twitter at Talk Graveyard.